You're listening to the Strong Towns Podcast. Welcome to the Week Ahead podcast with Chuck and Rachel. It's been several weeks since we've been able to record one of these, unfortunately, but we've both been pretty busy behind the scenes. Uh, Chuck, I know you moved into a new house. How's that going so far? Yeah, thanks. No, it's it's been fantastic, and I, I really love this neighborhood. We're still living out of boxes and stuff. Uh, our old house has not been put on the market yet, so most of our furniture is still over there. We did get the the kids' room set up. I want to try to make this as normal for them as possible. But, you know, we, we've been here for a little over a week now, and it's it's been fantastic. This neighborhood's everything I hoped it would be. The other night I was making dinner for the family, and I, I thought, I could really use some corn to grill. And then it occurred to me that just a few blocks up the street, there's, uh, you know, someone selling corn out of the back of the truck, selling produce. And I walked up there and yeah, for a few bucks, I bought some fresh corn. I bought uh, cantaloupe and uh, bought some cucumbers. And boy, that would have been a 40 minute round trip for that little whim uh, back at my old house. <laughs> but uh, here it was just a, a nice quick walk up the street. So what, what a, what a gorgeous deal. I, I'm, I'm so happy. Nice. What else is within walking distance of this new house? Uh, well, my office for one, uh, I, oh, sweet. yeah, no, I, I bike, I bike. It's a, it's a, it's maybe like, uh, it's maybe 15 blocks. I would guess it's a little over a mile to my office, but it was very easily walkable, but it's, it's a very quick bike. Uh, uh there's a neighborhood, um, like a dairy queen kind of thing, like an ice cream stand. Uh, mm -hmm. that's just awesome. It's one of those things like the Dairy Queen is six blocks away, but this thing is like a mile away. But the other one, it's called Triangle. Basically for less money, you get more ice cream and it's better. And so <laughs> I kind of have like a sweet tooth a for winner. that place. Yeah, I love it. Uh, we're part of a CSA. And so there's a, there's a co-op up the street where they drop off our CSA, but now I can actually walk to it instead of pick it up on my way home from work, that kind of thing. Uh, the girls play softball and the ballpark is, um, we probably would drive there cause it's maybe two and a half miles away on the other side of town. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's not a real, it's, I mean, I would bike it. The kids, I think it's a little far for them, especially if we expect them to play hard at the softball game. But, um, a block and a half from the house is the beautiful park. It's the park in the center of the city. And we, we should talk about, I, I, I'm going to get into some of the neighborhood stuff here. Um, but I'll tell you, there's a huge push to build a, a splash pad at this park. They want to raise half oh, a million those dollars. Are great. To splash. Yeah, no, they're fantastic. They're wonderful. But you have oh, this effort. It cost half a million dollars? Seriously? Well, okay. <laughs> That's part of the deal. This is not like, you know, a, a, a splash pad like, you know, like a fountain kind of thing. This is a, yeah. like fully blinged out, changing stations, the whole deal. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. So you've got that, which is a great effort. And a lot of people are coming together to, to raise money for this. And there's a big area foundation that's on board. And there's a, there's a bunch of people that think this is great. However, 
the city and the, the city maintenance, de, you know, the city parks department is all for it. They've been quoted in the paper and, you know, we're very excited and all this in the same park. There's a fountain that's been there, you know, my whole life. It's been there decades, uh, but it's shut down now. And there's like a box over top of where the, the fountain part is because the city uh. can't afford to fix it and get it running. Mm-hmm. So it's, again, it's, it's almost like the streets and roads thing writ small, you know, and, and there we, we can't afford to fix the potholes, but we can build. Well, let's build a new road. <laughs> yeah. And for this, okay. we, we, you know, our, there's this big push to build a river walk and a splash pad, which would be awesome, but we can't mm-hmm. keep the fountain running and you can't walk, you know, there's streets all over where the sidewalks just end and you can't get across mm-hmm. the, the main street through town and you know, the, those kind of things. So I'm going to be, yeah, like, but fixing the sidewalks uh, is not a glamorous project exactly. like the splash. Exactly. Would be. So I'm going to be like it's a tough. cheerleader here, but I'm also going to be like the Debbie downer in a way. A, a, a few of the neighbors have asked me, so are you all in the splash pad? And I'm like, pro yes. splash pad. <laughs> but as soon as we get the fountain running, you know, I, I, how can you give a half million yeah. dollar, you know, splash pad with all these pumps and stuff to the city to, to maintain and run when they can't even run like one pump in the fountain, Yeah, you know? So yeah, the, the, that's the, that's the part of the city that fascinates me the most because there's so much here. That's great. That's going right. I mean, we moved here. I like it, but there are all these other little things where it's like, okay, we can do these little things, people. I mean, we, we can do we, these attention to detail is not hard. We can do this. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned biking earlier, and that made me think of this past week was the first time I actually tried out our city's uh, bike share program. And I have to admit, like, I've been riding for Strong Towns for a long time, and we have a lot of pro bike people, and I gladly write about bike issues, but I don't actually bike very often, if ever, because um, I don't have a bike with me right now, but I recently tried out the bike share program here called Bubbler, and it is so awesome. We used it to bike to the beach. We went to a beer garden. We went to just, like, go get some groceries with it. Um, Yeah, it's awesome. So big fan of that. That's fantastic. And pretty affordable. Yeah, we're we're not of the size and scale where we're gonna get a bike uh, a bike share anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, well, that it doesn't make sense for a smaller no, place, but, but but we were in Montreal last summer, and that was my that was my first real. I mean, I've I've taken bike share as a novelty in other places, but mm-hmm. in Montreal last summer was my first time where I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm gonna use bike share to get around and to see a lot of this city and. Wow. That was, my wife and I did that together and we had just a, yeah, just a fantastic time. Yeah. When there's enough stations, I mean, you can really just like take it to one place, plug it back into the station and then plug it back out when you got to go home. It's, it's great. Exactly. So let's talk about big box stores week. How did you feel about that? Success? Uh-huh. Good, good stories written? You know what? I felt overwhelmed. I mean, the last three weeks I've been like the worst coworker in this organization ever because we had the 4th of July. I had, you know, to kick my family out of the house because they were uh, doing some things there, but we hadn't closed on the new house yet because it got pushed back. And so I'm like juggling all these things here. And then, uh, you know, we had the week of moving and then I had two trips. So last week I was in Ontario for two days. I was in uh, uh, Pelham and St. Catharines. Gr- great cities, by the way. We should talk about that. But 
Yeah. So I left on Tuesday and Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday was just like 12, 14 hours a day doing stuff there. And I would get back and I would read, you know, the best I could, the big box stuff. And I just loved, I tell you what I love most of all, and you're the one to credit for this. I love the, the, the just broad swath of voices that were speaking on this and all the different perspectives mm -hmm. and just the way um, different people approached it. It's in, in some ways we were saying very similar things, but we were saying them with different voices and in different ways. And I, I found that to be really powerful. I, I think there's a consensus that this is not the way we want to build a strong America. Um, mm -hmm. But I think there's also kind of a helplessness as, you know, like, what do we do differently? Um, you, you backdrop that for me uh, with the, um, the convention that went on last week and then anticipation of the convention this week. And mm -hmm. I can't help but see this kind of national top-down consensus of, you know, bigger is better, but yet this really strong counter-argument to that that says, no, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be far better off with a lot of fine-grained stuff going on. And, I, yeah, I, I was inspired by it. I thought it was a great week. Yeah, it was really interesting to read all the, we, we invited reader and member submissions to answer the question, you know, is, is it worth it to retrofit these big box stores? And if, if you do think it's worth it, then how do you think we should go about it? And yeah, people had a good variety of answers. There were people who were writing who lived in really suburban areas who were talking from personal experience. Um, we had Andrew Price, one of our writers who talked about doing like an urban big box model. Um, I think some people were very cynical and were like, yeah, I'll just abandon all of it. It's hopeless. Other people were like, well, maybe we can retrofit, retrofit a few of these. Um, I agree with you that the consensus is definitely a lot of these places are going to fall apart and we should never have built them in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I do think that the suburban retrofit stuff is fascinating from like a design standpoint. I mean, I've long said these people are brilliant designers, mm -hmm. but understanding the math behind these buildings, uh, yeah. I, I just don't, I, I've never thought that was a practical solution. Plus, you know, when we, when we look at cities as they were viable a hundred years ago, financially, um, they were a, a, a lot small, they using a planning term, they were a lot denser, right? And I don't think density is the metric we should be shooting for, but I do think it's a byproduct of success. When we look at the way the landscape is configured today, we might be able to suburban retrofit a, a tiny percentage of what's out there and make use of it. But there, there's just so much land area we occupy that if you were and going so many to, abandoned stores already, oh, yeah. If you were going to make that all financially viable, like a, like you know, viable within a generation, you would need a, a billion Americans at least. Mm -hmm. You know, it, there's just not enough. There's not enough us here to to make that all work. It, even if you had the capital, which we don't. So yeah, I I'm inspired by it because I think brilliant minds are are coming up with some really. Uh, fascinating approaches, but I, I find very little of it to be viable from a financial standpoint. Yeah. Um, I know there were a couple of topics that you wanted to write about or speak about on the podcast last week that you didn't quite have time to do. So can we expect some of that this week 
as follow-up? Yeah, no, I, I think the great thing about the way that you've gone about organizing these campaigns is that you know, we, we use them to reach a broad audience on, on a specific topic, and then we kind of set up a page and a, a landing page and a site where this information lives, and then we add to it over time. So yeah, I, I want to talk about, there were a couple of people who mentioned this last week even, uh, about semi-tractor trailers and the need to be able to get, you know, if we if we change street design, we've we've got still got to be able to accommodate semi-tractors, and I, I find that to be just a wrong strategy. And I, I want to write about that because there's a there's a lot of people I know that actually drive truck. I was a truck driver in the army. Uh, I don't know if you knew oh, that. Okay. No. Uh, yeah. No. I drove. That was my job in the <laughs> in the National Guard. I was a truck driver. Um, so, I, I mean, I'm not like an expert, but I, I, I know enough about this stuff where I can talk intelligently about it. I, I want to discuss that because it's one of those roadblocks that you always run into when you try to do a, a road diet or do anything intelligent with mm-hmm. a, a street design. The, the other one, I, I, have this video, I have this audio from Joe Minicozzi. Years ago, Joe and I were at a, a conference of assessors. And a guy from Walmart got up and he was arguing to all these assessors, you're charging us too much taxes. Our buildings, I'm going to paraphrase him. Our buildings are cheap junk and you're (laughs) building, you're charging them as if we put a lot of money into them. We haven't, you know, lower our assessments. And so (laughs) Joe and I were just stunned. Um, We didn't have a recorder or anything. We were just like sitting there stunned. Like, oh my gosh, no one outside of this room is going to believe what we just heard. Well, Joe went back to the conference the next year and brought a recorder and got up and asked the guy some questions. And the, the responses are fantastic. I, I was going to turn that into a podcast last week, and I just ran out of time. Um, so I, I do want to do that one here in the next couple of weeks because I, I think it will really add to the conversation. Because here's the guy from Walmart saying, like, look, these stores are, are junk. Um, why, are you, you know, why are you assessing us so much? Yet when we look at it from the city side – you know, the street we're putting in is not junk. The, the, the sewer and water we're putting in is not meant to be taken out after a decade or two. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the asymmetry of commitment that these stores represent is really, um, I think, eye-opening. It's something everybody should understand. Even if it's junk, they're occupying so much land, too. Oh, yeah. No, uh, you, you've, you've got the waste of land. But I, I think people, in some ways, are comfortable with the waste of land. Uh, you know, the, 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 the city officials and, and the like seem to be like, okay, well, you know, we're comfortable with this because it's a, it's a big ticket item, right? We're going to spend a lot of land, but we're going to get a big ticket item. Mm-hmm. I think Minicozzi's work with the value per acre has shown how that's a, a really silly waste of resources. But even if you don't buy that argument, um, the, the whole asymmetry of commitment to me is the, is, you know, th- these are places where you're committing as a city, as a, as a public, as taxpayers, you're committing generations uh, long promises in terms of mm-hmm. serving and maintaining stuff to a, a facility that, you know, the, the, is only designed to last a, a decade and a half and has a track record of disappearing, you know, way before that in, in places. So, yeah, I, I think you know, hopefully we illuminated a lot of those things that people hadn't maybe thought through on big boxes. And then this 
site can be a, a repository for people as they struggle with this issue going on because it's, it's not going away. I would also ask our podcast listeners, if you didn't visit the website last week, um, do at least check out strongtowns.org slash big box because we're doing a special um, database creation uh, that is crowdsourced. Um, we're working with Urban3 on this, and we're trying to collect information about the tax productivity of different types of buildings. Um, specifically, we're comparing big box stores um, like Walmart with more compact, you know, several stories tall downtown type buildings. Um, so we're trying to build a database of information from all over the country. So if you're interested in that kind of thing, check it out and please submit data from your own uh, town or city. Yeah. Um, Chuck, let's talk about some of the events that you've had over the last couple of weeks. I know you've been to New York, yeah. you've been to Ontario. Um, yeah. how did those go? Um, fantastic. Uh, I was in upstate New York, a little town called Oswego. And I have to say as a Minnesotan, I wanted to say Oswego and I'm not really mm. sure mm. why, but I, I could not get Oswego out of my head. It's Oswego is where they say it. Um, I'm going to have Paul Stewart, the guy who set this trip up on the podcast here shortly, because the work that they're doing in Oswego is, is nothing short of fantastic. I, I went in there and I, I, th I think he was a little um, nervous at first that I wasn't going to buy into their program. And he explained to me what they were doing. And immediately I saw, okay, this is one of the most brilliant things I have ever seen. Uh, they are doing largely doing housing rehab. Um, and, and neighborhood rehabilitation using micro investments, small little investments. And they're, they have um, kind of triaged their approach uh, to focus on the neighborhoods that they can bring back easily with small little investments and then use that as a springboard for other neighborhoods. And I tell you what, with with shoestring budgets and just a lot of love and, and, and elbow, you know, elbow grease that they have done just some amazing, amazing things in this town. So I, I want to have him on and, and chat about that. Yeah. You will be inspired. It, it is a, it is a national model and it needs more attention. How big is the city? Uh, you're asking me like statistics. And I, if I, if I said I would screw it up. So I, I, okay. I don't know off the top of my head. But we're not talking, I mean, we're not talking hundreds of thousands of people. I want to say it was like 20,000. Okay. So you're, you're, okay, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Population. I guess I could have done that too. Yeah. No, you, you can ask me questions I don't know. Yeah, 18,000. So, you know, we're roughly, okay. yeah. Yep. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a small town, but uh, has some, has some problems that are very common that, that, a lot of people will relate to and the approach they've taken is just fantastic. So I can't wait to have them on. So how was the Canada trip? Uh, the Canada trip was also great. Um, we had, uh, I had two full days, uh, one with a staff in, in a little town called Pullum. Um, I, I think I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, mm -hmm. and they were, they, 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 we met with the staff, we walked around. It, it was great because, I learned so much from these things, um, but I can also see like them learning a lot as well. And it was a great kind of back and forth. And I think everybody's eyes were open quite a bit. And we did a curbside chat that night with the council 
And that, that was also a, a great experience. The next day I was in St. Catharines and I have to say St. Catharines is, um, uh, in, in, in a former industrial town, like a GM manufacturing plant. It was one of the big places they've got there. Hmm. But I got the, I got the greatest tour of the city. Um, and I was really inspired by some of the stuff that they've done, uh, to revitalize their downtown. It, it is a, um, uh, some of it made me a little bit like, okay, that's not what I would have done, but <laughs> you did it so exquisitely well. It's hard to complain. For example, they built an ice arena in the downtown, a hockey arena, which, you know, in Canada, they like hockey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they built this ice arena in the downtown, which is like the silver bullet top down big project, right? They didn't build a parking ramp with it. Um, they had a parking ramp like four blocks away that was used kind of during the day. And so they, they very intelligently said, you know what? We don't have the money for a, a really nice hockey arena and a parking ramp. We can build yeah. a junky arena or, you know, a, a lower quality arena with a parking ramp, or we can build a really high quality arena and ask people to walk through our downtown before and after events. Nice. Well, like, you know, I told them, I said, in this country, in the United States, we would have built the parking arena or the, the parking ramp yeah, I mean, and had the junk. would have been allowed arena. to not build. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, you guys did something really intelligent and, and you can see how it has kind of nurtured the downtown. They also located an art school um, to a, a vacant spot that was right adjacent to the downtown. And again, kind of induced around the clock foot traffic back and forth mm -hmm. from their transit station to the school that goes right through the downtown. So nice. yeah, they've, they've kind of positioned their investments uh, to really maximize the amount of just passive traffic through their core areas. And, you know, it's, it's, there were a lot of little things they could still do. And I think we talked through, you know, how to incrementally build off the stuff that they've done. Um, and I, I think those are skill sets that, that they grasped and that they, they wanted to do more of, but, uh, it, the, the stuff they've done is really fantastic. So fertile ground for the strong towns message. Fertile ground. Yes. Um, I, I had a, a few repeat people in the audience cause this is, I, I want to say the fourth time I've been to this part, this specific part of the world, the Niagara region. And uh, there were some people that had been to multiple events in the past. And it was just, it was really wow. cool to see them there. We had to the Q&A and the, the questions were fantastic. Um, that's all videoed, by the way. So I know we, we shared that link last week. They, they streamed it live and you can watch yeah. it after the fact. If you're a, a longtime Strong Towns person, uh, the, you can skip the, the beginning, although you might find it interesting. I, I did throw in some different things in this talk. But if you go to the end and watch the Q and A, it was a, it was a great Q and A. Lots of lots of good stuff. Have you been doing any interesting reading or podcast listening lately, or just been um, super busy? Well, you know what happened to me Thursday coming home, right? Major travel delays, right? Yeah. Well, that's one way to put it. <laughs> so um, part of the. Uh, the, I won't say the agreement I have with my wife, but part of, part of my contribution to making a family work is that uh, I will be home when I say I'm going to be home so that my wife mm -hmm. can schedule her important stuff. 
um, which yeah. she 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 works a very important job. She's uh, she's a news reporter and does uh, amazing work. She was um, scheduled to be at the office at six a.m. on uh, Friday morning, and I'm flying back from from the Ontario. Friday or Thursday evening, and I was actually supposed to land in Minneapolis at 12:30 a.m. and then get home about 3 a.m. so I could be with the kids, and so I could get them up and bring them to their. They they both one had they both had camp last week. Mm-hmm. Well, my flight, yeah, my my flight out of Buffalo got delayed. My flight out of Chicago on the connecting flight got canceled, and oh. long agonizing story short, uh, I, I wound up driving <laughs> driving home. From Chicago. Uh, so did you rent a car and drive to Minneapolis and then get your car in Minneapolis? Yeah, or that's exactly what I did. Oh, wow. And that sounds exciting. So, yeah, I, I had texted you. Um, you had asked me about, are you going to write this uh, like Wednesday night? And I, I, I think I yeah. emailed you back and said, <laughs> I am so exhausted. I can hardly move. Yeah. yeah. Understand. We'll do a whole nother day of that and then an overnight drive. So... I didn't get back in time to, uh, to, to help her. She's had to, she had to call in and tell her work she'd be late. And then, uh, it was, I felt really embarrassed. I felt sad. Um, and then she brought the kids, but I was here in time to pick them up, uh, which was good. Um, but I was kind of a zombie all day. Um, but the, the short of it is I did get to listen to a couple books <laughs> on the, nice. on the way, on the way, because I had, you know, nine hours of driving to do. Um, there's a book called the, and I, I don't have my phone here, so I, I, I don't have the name of it, but the, the almost perfect people or something like that. It's a, it's a book about, I'm, I'm looking it up on my, uh, my account now is a book about Nordic countries. Is it almost nearly perfect? People? Yes. The truth about the myth of Scandinavia. Utopia, yes. Something like that. And it was okay. it was so great because, um, it, it it the the author was funny and he was he was so right on and he was he was very incisive and obviously it was it was his viewpoint so this was not he, he did not pretend this was a scientific study, but he started with the notion that these places the Nordic countries you know, uh, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Denmark, Iceland always show up on these lists of like the greatest places to live. And he's, he's from Britain. He said, I've lived there. How can this be true? And he, he goes through and in some ways he kind of, you know, skewers the, uh, the assessments and, and really gets into why these countries maybe are not as, as idyllic as we like to imagine them. But in doing this, he actually, in many ways, like affirms the great things about these places. And, you know, by the end of the book, he winds up basically saying, uh, you know, um, these places are really screwed up, but they're better than any other place you're ever going to be. And there's there's no place I would rather be. And he really I think the thing I liked most about it was that there's so many things in our Facebook age that we just, you know, throw up there like, oh, in, uh, you know, in Finland, they have the best schools in the world. And yeah. he, he basically like skewers that like, no, they're, they're, yes, they've got good schools, but here's why. I mean, when you have a completely homogenous population, it's pretty easy to socially enforce <laughs> certain things. And, know, you know, by the way, yeah. 
Finland has the third highest gun ownership in the, in the country, in the world. And, you know, he like throws in all these things that, that like run counter to the narrative of these, you know, happy blonde people you know, living in this utopia. But then he kind of gets into why it's a really great place. And I, I love the book. It was a fun read and uh, it was well worth your time. I also well, that sounds. I'd be interested to read that because I also get very tired of people saying, "Well, in Sweden, such and such is so great." And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, but like you said, homogenous population and also oil money. Like right. that's how they get things well, done." Well, the oil money is Nor- Norway's the oil money. <laughs> okay, and okay. But, but yeah, it's the same thing. And uh, yeah, you you tiny country. We could never do those things here, right? In that degree, maybe one state could try to do them, well, but. I, I, yeah. I think the the cool thing about the book is there's a lot we can learn. I mean, there, there clearly is. It, it, I think there is a very fair criticism of Americans, in the sense that you know we we are the shining city on the hill, we're the greatest country in the world. Da 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 da. da. Th- mm-hmm. That sometimes means we don't have anything to learn from anybody else. And yeah. I, I do think that you know, obviously I believe this very strongly because I've traveled all over the the world and and learned tons. I think there's a lot we can learn from, from other places. That being said, Mm -hmm. I do, I do get annoyed in the Facebook age, how we cherry pick like the lessons that we learn from other countries. And and a lot of times it's people sharing things like, I know you've never been to Finland. So stop sharing that thing about how, (laughs) you know, how fantastic it is. Yeah, I do have to say I also um, got through Jim Kunstler's new book. Okay, uh, his fourth in the World Made by Hand series. This one's called The Harrows of Spring. And I, I, if you've not read the first three, g- go read the first three before you read this one. I, I don't want to discourage mm-hmm. people from buying Jim's book, but buy buy all four of them. I, I have grown to really like the characters in this book. And mm-hmm. so it was, it was very nice for me to, it was kind of like, you know, old friends kind of thing at this point. Um, yeah. and I felt bad because he's only writing four of these. This is it. Um, it's all over with these characters, but I, I, I kind of, it was fun to, um, you know, be in that world again. And Jim and I have chatted, he's going to, he's going to come on the podcast here shortly. And we're going to talk about that latest book because uh, it was just a, a fun little, I, I did that one on audiobooks. And, uh, anytime you do fiction on audio, I, I think it's, it's kind of fun because, you know, the actors do the voices and everything and it's, it's just very real. It's, it's, it's a, it was a good, it was a good one to listen to. Well, I think that wraps us up for this week, but do we have a podcast coming up on Thursday? TBD? Uh, TBD. Yeah. I, I, I think I might, right. cool. I, I wrote this thing for this morning on the blog mm-hmm. about traffic stops um, in my time moving and basically being like the absentee, um, you know, coworker, <laughs> I did, mm-hmm. I did manage to think a lot about, um, the issue of, of police and traffic stops and city design. And I, I wrote about that today. We've already had some people react to it in, in positive and not so positive ways. Um, I'm, I'm, if I, if I get a chance and I, I I think I will, we're in softball playoffs this week. So I've got a lot of responsibility here, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I will, uh, I will um, be recording a a podcast about that. So yeah, that's, I think you can look for that on Thursday. Cool. All right, everyone. Well, have a great week and we'll uh, see you on Thursday. Hey, thanks. Take care, everybody. (laughs) 
We need your help. If you think the Strong Town's message is important, don't keep it to yourself. Pass it on. You can get more information and sign up to be a member of Strong Towns at strongtowns.org.